Hello and welcome to Creatives on Speed, where we talk to creative thinkers, makers and doers about from all walks of life about their work and their lives and their careers. So today I'm very excited to have on the show Ruben Delgado. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> Fantastic. Who's a creative strategist, among many other things. So explain to us what that is and what else you get up to. Yeah, so um, creative strategist mostly works in the realm of brand, engagement, comms, content, whatever you could silo it out to. Um, but I also really moonlight as a choreographer that deeply informs my strategic, my strategic practice as is. It was what my education was in and still kind of what keeps me going today. <laughs> So yeah, so um, sort of day job, sort of I'm guessing working with agencies and yeah. brands and that kind of thing. And yeah. sort of what, what sort of part of your week does the, the choreography take up? Um, a fair amount. I mean, like it's split half and half. So I, I currently freelancing at the moment, but previously I was um, in and out of agencies, both startups and large ones, as well as got the opportunity to go in-house um, in 2019 which was really kind of awesome uh, to solve like brand, communications, marketing type of things. But I realized over time that a lot of my approach to things was coming from a choreographic lens um, of my running definition of choreography is kind of the process of turning idea into action. That's a very close definition I also have for strategy as well. Um, so whether I need movement to help me decompress or take my ideas for a walk or let them exercise in the studio and give them time to breathe for my day job, um, awesome, but if not, then I kind of also use choreography to explore different kind of cultural topics and who I am as a person and identity and different things like that. <laughs> so yeah, tell me a bit more about that. Tell me about some of the projects yeah. where you've done that. Yeah, um, last year in 2019, um, I went on a kind of year long movement research project of how do I move in different type of spaces. So I looked at um, a formal dance space, which is like a black box type of normal traditional dance studio, how my movement is articulated and worked out through there, as well as what does my movement look like in an informal kind of social dance space, like a bar, a nightclub, um, things like that when that is possible, um, as well as informal dance spaces, uh, things like gyms or just empty kind of studio space with like mirrors, how is my movement affected through there? And I realized like, while I was type of like moving my the the environment I was in was deeply affected um, affected how I moved whether it was in more of a sensual light or more kind of confident and more this that or the other thing I realized that I um, took a lot of uh, social cues from the space I was of how I move through that space it's that's, a really really amazing. interesting process actually yeah. yeah to work through both moments that I were going through in my life with relationships with career um as well as like my physical environment like what that looked like so yeah it was a lot of findings yeah so what are, what are the big takeouts what surprised you most about what you found out um I'll give one kind of call out that I was um I I, I, I lived down in Soho and there was a studio by me that was when you kind of walk in it's like this really kind of gritty underground like hyper masculine space that would be like oh a receipty gym in New York it looks like it was cheap at the time and it was like awesome they had a mirror um and I realized as I was doing a lot of like contemporary style movement I started to get really self-conscious which was weird at like the ripe age of, of then I was like 26 27 um like why am I feeling this way like I have a formal education in this like 
I can articulate this movement, like I'm confident in why in this space I'm feeling this way. Just like though also the way the space was set up, it kind of was like this um, atrium of just this glass box of people just looking in. So you have people like lifting weights and grunting and all this mm. stuff, just kind of like looking at this person doing these really contemporary type of movements or also like really sensual movements or sometimes like really raw like hip hop that's like stemmed from like street dancing and it was just fascinating of the headsets that I found myself getting in of trying to prove my worth to people that I don't even know or yeah. even care to. And that's never like me as a person. Like if you've asked anyone that's like, oh, like I don't kind of <laughs> give too much, give too um, ways on people's opinions. So yeah, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> so let's take you back a little bit further to when you were growing up. Yeah. So obviously, you know, you said trained in choreography and that kind of thing. So when you were, when you were little, um, where, what were your sort of creative hobbies and pursuits? Um, so actually when I was younger, a lot of my creative outlets came from drawing and painting and just like charcoal sketching. I was always kind of an athlete. My parents were really adamant in us kind of always playing sports or things like that. But um, the way I kind of expressed creativity was um, mostly kind of do like crafts, drawings or things like that. Um, I'm actually first generation to um, Puerto Rican migrant parents. So growing up when they moved here, they moved to um, a spot in Brooklyn called like Bonincan, like the Puerto Rican projects. So it wasn't really the hottest neighborhoods. Um, when I was like five or six, we moved out to Long Island in which um, my mom would always have like my friends over and stuff like that. And giving that it still wasn't the soundest of neighborhoods, even out East, we would, um, she would always have crafts or always have like things around. And for us to kind of exercise creativity, just cause really doesn't want us playing out in the street. So she's like, oh, we'll, we'll bring the fun inside. So yeah. you, it, my house was always known, like go to Ruben's house. So you'd probably leave with some sort of craft, but dance didn't actually come on my radar until I was like 16. Um, so what yeah, happened then? when I found it. I was deeply fascinated. Um, it was a very kind of like, oh, wow, like this is it. I remember at 16, uh, I, 16 is also when I came out. So I was just a lot more comfortable with like myself, my sexuality, my identity. And I stumbled on dance through actually step uh, step team. Like if you ever seen Stomp the Yard, like clapping and stuff like that, that's actually where I, like where, where Ruben started dancing. Um, so I, it came on my radar through out of step and this um, subculture of hip hop called Light Feet Movement, like urban yeah, I've heard dance. Of this, yeah. Of, yeah, so that's, that's actually how I got my start. It's a lot of it gives nods to dance hall and reggae and things like that. It's like so fast that, footwork type stuff. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So um, that's kind of where dance first came on my radar. And after I kind of was poking around a bit more, I was, uh, <laughs> I was practicing for a talent show at a local studio by me. And the woman there, Stacey Nelson, bless her heart, she really took me under her wing. And she was like, oh, like, do you actually like want to train here or like this, that, and the um, other things of exploring different styles? I was like, wait, you can like study this in school and academia and <laughs> all this other stuff. And from there, it was downhill. She ended up training me in all different styles. I ended up going to perform arts high school, studying it in college, um, making it like my major, as well as um, auditioning briefly out of undergrad, like doing the whole kind of audition circuit and whatnot and yeah that's that's kind of how Ruben started dancing was really um just through hip-hop street dance and then I ended up falling in love with like contemporary movement improv and a various of other styles that just shaped me to kind of who I am I was now yeah and like so when you were that age what was your sort of did you have any goals at that point that you really wanted to kind of achieve as a dancer 
Um, not necessarily. I mean, obviously, yes, I have like a, I am someone who like loves goal setting. So I have like this laundry list of goals, like you will do undergrad here, you will go to a grad program here, you will study this in um, a doctorate program in London and all this really ambitious stuff that I realized um, wasn't really my vision. It was like the vision that I felt I had to fulfill to match what society expected from artists as well as like coming from that first gen background of Latin parents of what they wanted. I knew I definitely wanted to go to school um, to be first in my family to do that. Um, whether it was for art or something, my parents were just adamant. They're like, we don't care what you study. Just please go to school. Like, just please like do, cause they were, um, they, they didn't. So they were like, oh, can you just please? I was like, yeah, of course, like, but I want to study this. So yeah, those, in terms of those goals, like I knew I always wanted to be a creator of movement or someone that created movement, but I realized I can't make movement without understanding the language of what it's like to work and train as a dancer. That's kind of what set me on that original quest. I was like, oh, I, I love like dance, but that um, applause on stage never reached me. It was always the studio time that like I really valued and the tinkering process that go, yeah. but like no one wakes up one day and is like, oh, I'm a choreographer now. I was like, well, do you know what it's like to train? And like, okay, no. So. I took it it's also, it's <laughs> also that thing with choreography and I think a lot of creative um, endeavors is that, that breaking everything down to the smaller integral parts is such a it's, it's just such a talent to be able to just break it down in the first place so that then you can build it up with other people to build this amazing sort of whole thing. Um, is that what really excited you about it? It really was. It was that beautiful process of just the like the ambiguity of like you have this idea, you're unsure where it's going to go. It can go many different ways. Let's start to like exercise different thoughters to see what can make of it. And I realized over time, like as I was someone that's like, oh, okay, like now I know what it's like to make movement. Like I can start to label myself like movement director or whatever hat one wears of how they identify. Um, I realized over time my visions got a lot bigger of like the way I like to exercise ideas and explore them and different type of things. And at the time I was trying to work on branding myself. And like, I also got my in in a really unconventional way into the marketing ad land of um, their startup and poking around different um, agency channels there because they were trying to do some agency work um, of what strategy is and things like that. And I realized the same type of excitement and joy and like brain firing that happens like when I'm at the studio would replicate a lot. Like when I would try to like do a pitch deck or work through some strategy with teams and that creative facilitation. And from there, I started to kind of like identify like what kind of choreography was and develop more of an articulation and a practice for it. And I realized a lot of the definitions and the terms and the approach I was using was very similar to what I was doing as a strategist. That's, that's fascinating because most people watching would be like, how do the two things relate? That just seems bananas. But actually, when you break it down, it's like it, these are these are processes. It's problem solving. It's piecing things together. It's finding out what the component parts are. It's like, you know, there's yeah, a lot, lot of similarities. It really is. And like a, a lot of these definitions and I was trained a lot in um, what's called foresight technique. It's uh, um, uh born out of uh, this choreographer, William Forsyth, who I like shaped a lot of like my views on like life, art and things like that. Um, and a lot of, some people call him a deconstructionist, but I just call him like a very facile-minded person. Um, he first brought up the notion of what choreographic objects are and start to divorce the uh, definition of choreography from the human body of how we can start to 
apply principles of choreography to let them live in objects and things like that because oftentimes it's hard to get funding for dance because it's ephemeral. Um, it's one of the few art forms that is kind of dependent on another medium to carry itself on when investigations like things like literature, furniture, music scores, uh, sculptures, they all carry ideas of their investigation as though choreography never really had those objects mm. to explore what it's known. It does know quite a lot when you look further of like time, space, organization, pattern emergence. You can even flip some things on its head to look at behavioral and leadership skills um, and so on and so forth. So hearing those definitions that he was working with and how they resonate with me and how I was applying those definitions to my work was again the same kind of correlation of like oh this is actually very much strategic practice and like a strategic and right so. yeah that's fascinating so I mean like when you're whether you're working on a sort of creative strategy um project or whether you're working on a choreography project what are the sort of tools and techniques that you go to from each from each of your experiences um yeah. that when you're trying to sort of break break down a problem yeah um there, I kind of have a pseudo hummingbird effect for um, both of how I'm going to solve like a movement articulated problem or like, and I don't want to say an intellectually articulated problem, but like a strategic type of problem. Yeah. Um, but one thing's kind of always certain for all of them. I like to understand the problem very deeply of like, get all the research. I never like my responses to come from like really off the cuff or like a what if. I like them be rooted in some sort of like digestion of it. So kind of understanding the problem fully, the context and the landscape of the situation as well as um, various other streams of information and inspiration. Um, from there, I kind of like to sit with it for whatever amount of time I'm allowed to, whether that's a minute, an hour, um, a week, a month, whatever have you, um, and then start to kind of let the creative process or like the regular creative process of like what creativity needs of like giving it that space to let the ideas bounce around, new information come in, climb with existing ones to make newer ideas and things like that until I can finally land on some sort of solution to give towards a team or to dancers to see how they react to it and what they're doing with it and how we can co-create this solution or a dance piece. Yeah. Even like when I make um, dance pieces, like I kind of start that same kind of information process, develop a movement vocabulary for it. Then I kind of like to set it on dancers to let the, use it as a fabric for a piece, let them get comfortable in their bodies. And then I take this like kind of third wall, fourth wall type of approach where I'm just kind of observing them of how they're dissecting the movement and what prompts can I give them to help articulate it more, less deconstructed and things like that. So very much that similar approach of just like, let's co-create this in tandem. Like let's work towards a single solution. Just on a sort of like this, the sort of non-specific technical sort of experience stuff, I think that, you know, what you've what you've represented and shown there is that you've got a huge amount of self-awareness in terms of you need a lot of self-awareness as a choreographer to understand yourself and how you relate to the dancers and all this sort of thing. But also the self-awareness of knowing that you are happy in both these spaces, you know, both in choreography and in strategy. And some people feel sometimes find that they sort of have to force themselves into one one thing. And yeah. it's kind of, it's, I just want to say, like for me, I do have a lot of hats as well. And it's kind of okay to do these different things. Um, how do you feel about that? Um, if you'd asked me at the start of my career, maybe like six years ago, I would have felt deeply subconscious. I would have been like trying to like announce every way why like, Craig be so good or like oh this is what I needed and almost like downplay my skills of what I learned in as like a dancer and as a choreographer and as a creative um just to meet this typical mold of what marketing and ad want from a strategist and things like that and 
it wasn't until probably about like two years ago, maybe like three, I started to get comfortable with myself or articulating of like, no, I'm very much still an artist. I'm still a creative. Like, doesn't, I mean, I abandoned my duties as a strategist and let me actually articulate how they're one and the same. Mm. So coming with that same self-awareness of just like, this is who I am, this is how, what I've informed. And it's, it's really funny that a lot of people, they like, they mine for creativity in the places that it's not really for, like marking an ad, like when I was an undergrad and was just like, oh, like, why, like, how, how are you studying creativity or like, what is it, things like that, where you have like other creatives in the arts and in certain calm arts of, we're literally studying creativity on white, like uh, producing white papers in an academic setting, like picking yeah. apart, like it's, it's born from that innate, from the ability to do things, not in like, a corporate type of suit world which is like okay cool like if you want it then like by all means like let's let's talk about this but um I guess to kind of answer the question how I identify of like those like different hats is um just be able to talk about it clearly like now if anyone asks me I then also this comes from a certain point in like my career where if someone asked me like oh you study dance how does it do you feel like it's a hindrance I was like okay first of all it's never a hindrance that's like saying like every artist should then become this like I think there's actually an ad in um uh, or like a UK-based ad that kind of depicted a ballerina of just like she she's an artist now, but she could be yeah. and it got like everyone really riled up. I know it got me riled up. I was just like, yeah, I it's like that she's language. gonna go and work in Fatima's gonna go and work in cyber. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like, she's gonna go work not in only, cyber. Not only is it such a weird term, a way to, to to describe tech. I mean, it's just hilarious. But yeah, it's like oh, she's gotta yeah. give it all up now. I know, and it's and it's like um and there was also when I went back to my, uh, at, uh, my high school before that uh, from arts high school and there was like a panel of like uh, this dancer who transitioned from being a performer to now working in arts advocacy because she was really passionate about that one kid kind of uh, stood up and said when did you feel like your dream kind of died and I, I, I don't think they meant it in a very pointed way or anything. I think they were just generally curious of like yeah. performance things like that and she's like I don't think my dream ever died it just got a lot bigger like I yeah. realized over time that like the skills that I had are not solely one-sided and it's ironic as like dancers and um they're always told to be versatile learn every style be adaptable and things like that but when it comes to other skills of like what else can what else do we know what else can we be applied to and be equally as like up for strong candidacy for they tend to like freeze up or like things that's like oh like throughout their head it's like oh I didn't even think of that yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm huge on fighting across and fighting skills where it's like, hey, like, especially now in times like these, I don't want artists or things to think they need to pivot completely and all these other little fun terms, but just take stock of the skills that you've had and the things that you've learned and that really Marie Kondo spark joy on what else can be applied to because like artists, we know a lot. Yeah, and also just like kind of thinking about it the other way as well. If you if you don't consider yourself a creative or working in the creative industries or doing creative things, you know, there's so much, there's so many transferable skills from other careers that, you know, when you're an artist, when you're a musician, you know, you've got to know about marketing, you've got to know about resilience, you've got to know about project management, you know, yeah. all these things that if you are doing any of those things now are going to be added benefits to you if you decide to pursue a creative career so I think yeah. everything you learn is useful <laughs> so tell us about um any projects you're working on at the moment that you can share with us or you got coming up yeah um I'm kind of working on this like rolling research project that is uh, somewhat an accumulation of all my different ideas and things that we talked about of how can dance be used as more of an ethnographic research tool I realized um, that a lot of other mediums like 
kind of are relied on or not relied on they can be um looked into for like a qualitative research lens with like what type like nonfiction. what they just did with examining americans playlist of how they're tapping into emotional realism and all these different things i was like how can we start to level up or ladder up dance to be used in that like qualitative research lens um because like we're saying one of the biggest things that it does it understands a lot as culture is like when you have to perform an improv space and now you walk into a space and now you have to make a piece of five, two minutes, 10 minutes long, you're taking oftentimes um, inspiration from your surroundings or your physical environment. So like, I'm not just interested in the color of your couch, but also the journey that your couch has been to, the pieces that it's got there, what it's understood and what's its story that it wants to go through. So it's that kind of like intrinsic understanding of culture um, that I kind of want more vocalized. I don't know if it's even possible or what can be done with it, yeah. but I'm having a lot of conversations with um, people that I like respect in the industry, both in the arts, as well as in the agency world of, hey, how can we make this type of thing? Whether yes, that looks like a framework cool. or a research technique, or maybe just like a theory or something to try, but something that I'm really passionate on trying to like get more out there and figure, figure more on. That's cool. And, um, you know, in terms of your creative inspirations and things, where are your kind of go-to places or activities or things that you do on a regular basis? Um, often culture, like culture or like how I'm kind of working through emotions. Um, early on in my career, I didn't, I didn't really like to tap into emotions because I had a mentor one time tell me never make pieces of um, like human emotions or things like that because it becomes too precious or like too much to work with. But I realized the way my approach to work or movement-based work can be um, somewhat abstract, like, like, oh, like maybe I don't want my story to be told, but I want it to be seen in some sort of light. Um, so kind of working through how I'm feeling, like how other people are feeling, how general human emotion exists in general, or said general choice, or um, just culture at large and different subcultures. Ruben, it's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much for sparing the time. Nice. Um, all, yes. those, all the way over there in Manhattan and uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know it's uh, it's uh, really interesting what you're doing and I love I love this I love your energy and I love your your whole sort of attitude to the to the sort of the mix of the things you do so thanks very much Thank you. and I um, yes, hope likewise. you have a great afternoon <laughs> yes, have a great evening <laughs> Thank you.